Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We're happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is growing your business on Amazon. Here today, representing Bellavix, an Amazon management company which helps retail brands scale their business on Amazon, is Will Hare. Hi, Will. Hey, Andy. I'm excited to be here and share some really useful information for all your listeners. Great. Well, we can't can't wait to hear what you got. But before we before we start, let's just get right into it. So what are the reasons for a company to put in all that effort to sell their products on Amazon instead of concentrating on selling their products through their own website, their own platform? Beautiful. Great question. And you guys, I think this goes into the misconception that Amazon actually takes uh, sales away from your website. In the reality, they work together. Uh, the modern consumer is an omni-channel consumer, and believe it or not, whether you're on, whether you are on Amazon or not, uh, your customers are going to Amazon. They're checking your uh, product reviews, whether you sell them or you don't, uh, and they're also checking your competitor reviews to get some feedback. Sixty-six percent of searches start on Amazon, um, and Amazon is the uh, you know the two hundred pound, two hundred thousand pound gorilla that's in the room, uh, and it's hard to avoid. Um, and you know. What I will say to kind of add on to that is also if you're not protecting your real estate, if you're not concerned with your brand on Amazon, uh, you should be. I bet if you go and you search your products and you find other sellers, you'll find that the listing quality is poor. Uh, the user experience is usually pretty poor. So your mm -hmm. customers, the brand equity you spent so hard to build, your website, your social media uh, around will suffer inside these different marketplaces if you're not uh, owning that brand experience and making sure that your customers uh, have a similar experience because they don't understand that you're not the reseller, uh, that you're not representing the brand on Amazon. They go to Amazon, they click that add to cart button, and they make a purchase. And what we see over and over again is counterfeit products, especially in the beauty space. Um, and these are all, you know, these are all reasons why it's important that if you're a brand and you're worried about your brand experience and you're building audiences and you're trying to build your e-commerce brand, that you do consider Amazon as part of that because the marketplace experience uh, is part of the omni-channel uh, shopping experience. That's a great point. You made some great points. So you convinced us. We we decided to put our <laughs> we decided to put our products on Amazon. What fees can we expect to rack up with Amazon when when listing our products? Great question. So the fees are pretty basic. Uh, roughly, these are going to fluctuate. So you, you'd actually have to search, but give or take, you can assume that 30% um, of fees for FBA fulfilled by Amazon or prime products. Uh, if you're going to fulfill yourself or use a third party logistics company, it's about 15%. 15% uh, for pick and pack, uh, which is the, the FBA, the prime. And the other 15% is Amazon's referral fee. Uh, they get their blood in a uh, 
in every purchase that's made on the platform. It's how come Jeff can send uh, people to outer space and worry a lot less about logistics. Um, but those are um, those are kind of the main uh, main reasons or main uh, contributors. So thirty percent, if you're having your products fulfilled by Amazon, and then you still need to advertise on top of that, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And, you know, to be clear, you should have good margins, you know, so what products don't work well? I mean, if you have a under a $15 price point, generally those margins are going to be tough. Amazon has programs like the small and light program where the fees are reduced, um, but it, it might not make sense. Um, so when you're considering the types of products, just because you're below a $15 price point uh, doesn't mean Amazon's not right for you. It just means that the catalog and the approach needs to be different. And this is where we could talk about virtual bundles. This is where we talk about actually bundling or figuring out, you know, how we can piece your products together um, to get to a price point where we could penetrate the market, um, that we could have something valuable that your customers are going to want to purchase. And then also, um, you know, have a, a decent margin where you can afford the 30% uh, fee that Amazon's going to take for your, your FBA, your pick and pack, uh, and the referral fee, um, as well as advertising and you know we could talk about advertising and definitely go into depth but you know launching a product on amazon versus uh and going through that whole maturity cycle um is all kind of part of that uh marketplace experience and you know if you're going into amazon uh, and you're brand new uh ex expecting to make money the first 90 days is very unlikely unless you have a killer product with a lot of brand equity or you have a really nice niche um, that there's not a lot of competition. Um, but outside of that, uh, Amazon to get started off is an investment. Um, but the investment pays off because it is the largest, most trusted uh, re online retail channel uh, in the United States. I think it's, you know, give or take, it's about 50% mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of all e-commerce sales happen on the platform. So if you're not on the platform, you're missing out. Um, it's a great place to build your brand equity. And there sure, are different sure. features, depending on if you're brand registered or not, that you could take advantage of. Okay. Well, let's talk about how Amazon works and, and particularly the buy, bow, the buy box. So when multiple sellers are, are selling, as I understand, there's a, the buy box. Yeah. Can you let us know how Amazon determines how, who gets the buy box and, and exactly what it is? Did I describe that correctly? You did, sir. Yep. It's the add to cart button that shows up uh, to the right of the product listing and the bullets. And that, I mean, having the buy box means you're going to get uh, almost 100% of sales that come to that page, um, which is which is what you want. So there's there's a couple things. So how is it, how is it figured out? Um, the account maturity, uh, your seller rating, um, your price point on the particular item, uh, the amount of inventory you have on the item, and if you're brand registered. So those are you know, the five major components, that's what's going to dictate um, your buy box ownership. Um, in most cases, uh, at least the brands we work with, um, being retail distributor brands, uh, buy box and third-party sellers is a, is a problem. It's something that we specialize in dealing with, um, mm -hmm. and it's definitely a pain point. Um, so, you know, if we're talking about, if you're a brand owner, um, you need to have a MAP policy in place. Um, you need to be enforcing that MAP policy. Uh, and you need to make sure that you have inside your contracts with your wholesalers stipulations for selling on marketplaces. And by all means, this shouldn't be limited to just Amazon. Uh, this should be your Amazon, your Walmart, your Targets, uh, anywhere that you're distributing and you have wholesalers 
uh, working together. And this will give you the ability to kind of control the buy box a lot more if you are doing a wholesale model. And then there's lots of tactics to go off of that. You know, we work with brands that um, uh, will take three quarters of their catalog and they'll give it to wholesalers. And we do advertising tactics to drive traffic and it adds a lot of value. And then we'll also have Amazon exclusive ASINs. So, and why I'm diving into this, buy box is everything. I mean, if you yeah. want to have an impact, if you want to make money on Amazon, you got to own that buy box. Otherwise, uh, you won't be getting a lot of sales. You can't really advertise and there's lots of frustrations that ensue. Sure. So a couple follow-up questions on that. You said there were, there were five different elements, but you need to make sure you're enforcing that pricing. Do the other four elements really matter or is it really all about price? No, it's not all about price. Uh, at the end of the day, Amazon will will just rotate through the listing. So you could be uh, highly priced. So you could uh, you could sell the same item, you know, ten times the cost of the average seller. Uh, you just won't get the buy box very much. But if you have a spectacular, you know, if your account's mature, if you have a good seller rating, if you have no account health issues, you will win the buy box. You just won't win it that often. Like maybe less than five percent. At the end of the day. It's an interesting test, but what we normally see is we'll do a lot of split listings. We'll do a fulfilled by Amazon and we back it with a fulfilled by merchant if they have the third party capabilities. And the purpose of that is we don't want to sell out. We don't want to lose um, inventory because of the adverse effects on SEO, um, which would kill us. So that's why we have those two listings in place. But we know that um, those two listings priced at the same exact price point Technically, according to the system, the FBA listing should win every time, but it doesn't. It wins about uh, it loses the buy box about 15% of the time, give or take. So a lot of times when we see this, we'll see our buy box between 80 to 85%. And we know that's roughly Amazon just cycling through because if there are people on the listings, it's going to pick the one it thinks is going to get the sale and it's going to cycle it through. And it's all algorithmic. So it's looking at those, those five facets of the account, the maturity, uh, the seller reviews and ratings, and they're using that to dictate who gets the buy box and who doesn't. Interesting. Now, the people who don't get the buy box, where it says you can also buy from these merchants, and there's a, a little link below the buy now button. How often are those used? Uh, less than 10% of the time. It's barely ever. Like, uh, you know, I would not count on that. If you have like, our rule of thumb, if you're less than 85% on the buy box, you have buy box issues. Um, but if you're, you know, 10, 15% buy box ownership, uh, that's not a good product for you. Um, probably should not be investing too heavy in other marketing activities until you can resolve the, the buy box issue. And that will be either, um, you know, map policy enforcement, removing third-party sellers using cease and desist letters. There's all different tactics on how to get it on. But I will say caveat, is that if they are getting these products legit and they're not counterfeit products, they are 100% uh, allowed to sell them on Amazon and Amazon will boot them off just because you're the brand owner. Um, hmm. There are processes, but at the end of the day, this is why the map policy and map policy enforcement is so important. And that's why mm -hmm. I'm hammering it home. A lot has to do with map. Interesting. So let's say you have the buy box. What are some most important aspects when you're trying to increase your conversion with your Amazon listings? Is it pro your product listings, your description, your images, the product yourself? What, what is it? It's a little bit of everything. And I, I could dive into that. So, you know, there's, there's two 
two things we look at when we're looking at, you know, we're boosting sales. So the first thing we're going to look at is the title. And a good indication of a good title is the click-through rate. So we know when we advertise behind a product, if the title is relevant, uh, and that's key with anything on advertising, uh, if the product's relevant, we'll see a pretty healthy click-through rate. Um, anything below 0.15% is low. Um, and ideally, the, the closer we can get to 2 3%, the better. But keep in mind, it's still e-commerce. And I'm talking about non-branded searches. We want to qualify and rank for, uh, for product-oriented searches that are going to drive sales. So the title uh, is one of the most important things. And then when you're on the listing, if we're talking about ways to improve your conversion rate, um, you know, the, the images are key. Uh, good, crisp images will help with not only the click-through rate, but conversion rates. Having images in place that answer a lot of typical questions um, that customers ask, having in-scale images, having a review image. Um, these are all uh, items you can put in place that'll help get the sale. Um, outside of that, you know, uh, your bullets, and they shouldn't be loaded with keywords. They should have your unique selling proposition and take the first 70 characters. We like to use all capitalization, but we call those callouts. They're mobile friendly and they allow skim readers to take the essential information from what you're getting out there. Um, and moving further down the listing, then we're talking about our description. Ideally, your brand registered, we're incorporating A plus content. A plus content is enhanced content that allows us to have images uh, and different callouts and showcase different sets of products on your product detail page. Uh, it also allows to showcase information about the manufacturer. Um, and those are kind of the main components of what we're working with in terms of uh, moving the needle. And we can get even more in depth if we're looking at negative customer reviews, we're looking at other products to find where the opportunity is. But a, a big thing that's going to drive sales if we're looking at from a listing optimization perspective, um, what's the organization of the catalog? Is my parent-child relationship to these products optimal where uh, there's less clicks that are most likely to lead to a sale? Is my listing optimized for search? And I certainly don't mean keyword stuffing. I mean using natural language uh, that is focused and pointed. That's going to get you to rank. You know, let's uh, let's uh, right right there real quick. Keyword stuffing. I I seem to see that a lot in the titles, where the titles really look like people or merchants are just putting in a bunch of keywords behind a product title. Do you find the benefit of that on driving traffic is worse? I mean, worth it? I mean, is it decreasing the sale or is that best practice? What, what do you think on that? It's it's the worst thing you can do. I mean, granted, you will you might index for a bunch of keywords, but you're going to index really poorly and you're not going to get the type of conversion. It's better to be focused and true to what the product is. And, um, you know, I'll give you an example. We work with a pressure cooker company, um, relatively large, and they um, they have their listing that have, you know, everything. It does yogurts, it's a pressure cooker, it's a multi-cooker, uh, it cooks rice, it does all this stuff. And um, mm -hmm. we were achieving some ranking, but it was all over the place. And it was difficult to advertise because somebody looking for a multi-cooker might be turned off if they see a pressure cooker. And there was all this mm -hmm. confusion. And what we ended up doing is finding the, the two keywords that we wanted to go after that was really focused. Uh, and we had advertising data backing it to say, okay, we had really good conversion rates. Uh, we know that our cost per click is this. So this is where we want to double down. Uh, and that's an example of how we would look at it. So when you look at your titles, you know, no more than two uh, root keywords that you're targeting. Uh, ideally, the newer your product is with the less reviews, you want to probably pick one keyword and go for a long tail keyword. 
um, mm -hmm. that you'll be able to achieve first page ranking within the first 30 to 60 days, um, and then kind of tear up the strategy based on that. And what a lot of people miss is that advertising is a big part of SEO and actually validating a lot of your hypotheses. So if you, for example, think that um, this product is at its core, it's a pressure cooker, it's gonna sell the best at a pressure cooker. The next step to do is to update the titles and put some ad dollars behind it. And what we're doing is we're training Amazon's algorithm to say we convert and we will get sales for this keyword. Um, and that's kind of the process. We also do a lot of split testing with our headings as well. Uh, we used to use a software called CellZone, uh, but since then we moved off and we're using Manage My Experiment directly through the Amazon console. Um, so these are different things that you could do as you're looking at your, your listing and you're looking at the SEO and you're figuring out how could I take this to the next level? The first step is figuring out what do I have a good conversion rate on and what's gonna get me the most sales. Find the long tailed keywords if, you don't, if your listing's not validated and hasn't been around that long. And then come up with a tiered approach to your SEO and your advertising strategy that's gonna drive the most amount of traffic that's most likely gonna lead to a conversion. And in the end, what we're doing is we're training that A9 algorithm to say, hey, we convert really well for pressure cooker. It's in our title, we're owning it, rank us better. We want good BSR and we wanna show up on the first page. That's interesting. So you are, you're saying that the paid advertising affects the SEO in Amazon. And that's what's different about Google and a Facebook. And a lot of people don't realize coming from more of the traditional e-commerce background right. is that yes, it counts sales velocity as everything. And Amazon is actually rewarding people for driving off uh, platform traffic to the, to the platform. I think they're offering a 10% um, a reimbursement for sales made using a, a link if you guys do it. It's a brand new program they're running. Um, and that's, that's an example of what they're doing. So if we're talking about the basic components of what uh, does ranking, it's, uh, it's your text relevancy, it's your fulfillment method, FBA versus FBM, FBA every single time, Amazon. Uh, wants things to go through its warehouse so it can get its cut, but also it's a better experience. They control it. Um, the um, the uh, review count on the specific listing, uh, the sales velocity on that listing, uh, and a lot of that can be influenced by advertising either on the platform or off the platform. Now, you had mentioned some software that you, that you use. We had back in season one, a company called PicFu that does oh, live. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of them? I have heard of them. They have some really cool software. I uh, haven't used them, caveat, but we are considering using them for uh, uh, their survey and uh, their surveying capabilities and uh, what they can do with uh, consumer feedback on uh, main images. So I do think it's a really good software, but I don't mean to interrupt. No, no, I was just going to, uh, you answered my question. I was going to ask you, heard of them because um, I've heard really good things. Now, into different verticals, different product types. Have you found that certain verticals are going to sell better on Amazon than others? Uh, of course. I mean, it's becoming, so Amazon's transitioning as a marketplace. So what we're finding is that it's, it's starting to be less and less about the vertical and more and more about the brand and the brand's ability to, um, to build an audience on and off of Amazon. Amazon is putting pieces in place for us to build an audience. So Amazon Live is the QVC uh, of Amazon and that's picking up some traction. There's, a, there's an Amazon Live team and it's still free for the moment. Amazon Post is Amazon's attempt at Instagram, but it shows up on a lot of pages. It's still free at the moment. Um, and a lot of these um, 
types of initiatives that they're they're pushing uh, is designed to kind of build that audience. And what I like to say is 50% of growth can be achieved directly on Amazon. Amazon has shopping behavior. Most of the people searching on there are bottom of the funnel. They're looking to make a purchase. If the item is under $100, they're probably making to look a purchase, making looking to make a purchase that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, are there challenging verticals? Of course, if you're in the beauty space, I mean, beauty is pretty competitive. Uh, pet supplies is pretty competitive. Uh, but at the end of the day, it comes down to, and Amazon is a brand-centric platform. So how strong is your brand and how much are you willing to invest in order to build that brand awareness? And how much do you care about your brand? You know, early on, you may be focused more on uh, your website, which makes a lot of sense. Retention marketing, you know, collecting email addresses, these are all Mm -hmm. pieces of it. But eventually you'll hit a point where um, you're being misrepresented on Amazon. It'll come to a point where you want to control the sales or know how much sales is actually coming through that platform. And that's when it makes sense to kind of dive deeper and figure it out. So I, I, will, I won't say that there's any specific verticals. Uh, what I will say is there's specific brands and types of brands that do really well. And to be perfectly honest, Andy, I, I work with brands. We don't work with resellers. We don't do retail arbitrage. That's not our specialty. So okay. there are ways to make money as a reseller. There totally is a retail arbitrage methodology that works. Um, we don't have as much experience in that. And those aren't the types of brands that we work best with. Okay. Well, since you're you're working with um, private label companies, let's let's talk a little bit about brand registry because I'm sure that's yeah. got to be really important for them. So, yeah. if I understand it correctly, this is registering your brand with Amazon, and then you can add more content, etc. Is that it in a nutshell, or is there there more to it than that? Uh, a little more to it, but yeah, I can break it down. So, brand registry A is uh, very important if you want to own your brand and have a lot more control over it. So. Everybody we work with, we take through the brand registry process. Not only do we get different advertising types, uh, Amazon display and uh, Amazon sponsored brand ads, which are banner ads and programmatic ads that can target customers on and off Amazon based on certain behaviors on the platform. We also get A plus content. We have data that says uh, when we implement A plus content to a landing page, we see at least a 25% improvement in conversion rate. So A plus content is only something for brands. The Amazon storefront is an Amazon asset that you can use to drive traffic um, on Amazon through sponsored brand ads to specific pages that you put lifestyle images, you showcase products, you call about your unique selling proposition. It's your Amazon website. And the best part is there's no competitors on it. There's no other advertisements. That's your real estate and it's your ability to convert. So these are some really great tools and features we get with A+. Another thing that's missed that a lot of people aren't aware of, it's contributorship. Contributorship is controlled by brand registry, which is controlled through brand services. So let, let me give, let's go back to our third-party seller situation because we do this a lot. Uh, if I have a listing that has 50 sellers on it, for example, uh, Amazon's not going to know who uh, should control the listing, who should control the title, who should control the bullets, who should control the mm-hmm. description. Um, if you're not brand registered, Amazon's going to take inputs as it comes in. And you're going to get all types of crazy stuff. And it's actually a tactic where we've seen sellers uh, take over a listing and swap out the main image with something vulgar, something that shouldn't be there. It's definitely black hat and, uh, and it is what it is. Um, if you have contributorship, though, you, you're telling Amazon, I'm the registered brand. This is my trademark. And you are letting Amazon know through brand services that my input is the input that should be taking. We're the brand. Um, and I will say 80% of the time, uh, Amazon will honor that. 
when it, you know, when they have a mishap because it's algorithmic, we're able to get it corrected pretty quickly. Um, and that's another benefit of, uh, of the brand registry. You know, that's, that's a great point. You don't want somebody else messing up your listings for sure. Yeah. What about discounters? You had mentioned that earlier that if somebody it's genuine and it's the same price, there's nothing Amazon can do, but what if your client didn't sell to that person? Yeah, that's the map policy. That is uh, something that will logistically need to be worked out by the, the team. So, you know, what we will do is we'll reach out to them directly. We'll, on the client's behalf, provided that they allow it, we will buy the product to make sure it's not counterfeit. We'll send out cease and desist letters um, and we will escalate it to a, a legal group who will go after them and, and get them to take it down. And generally, that's the course that we take and it takes anywhere from three to six months, give or take depending on how all these go. Um, but what I will say if they're buying it legitimately is to find out where they're buying it from if possible uh, and to kind of kill them at the source. Ideally, um, you know, we, we work with people who want to control the brand experience for the most part. Um, so with that being said, you know, we put an emphasis on going after these third party sellers and doing everything um, in, our, in our means that we can actually do. But at the end of the day, if they are buying it legit and they want to continue to sell it, um, they're going to be able to until they're out of inventory. Um, and that'll be something that needs to be tackled outside of Amazon. And of course, we'll help with that. Um, but that would be your logistics team and whoever manages your, uh, your wholesale accounts. Now, one of the dangers of, of being on Amazon or, or advertising on Facebook, any, any medium where you don't own it, is that you're at the mercy of, of the company. Have you ever had a client suspended from Amazon for, for no apparent reason? Uh, suspended from Amazon? No. Um, you know, we do deal with and we take on accounts that have been suspended. We'll do the plan of action. Comes down to severity of the suspension. So I will say if you're caught buying reviews, for example, your account shut down permanently. That bank account and that EIN will not be allowed to open up any other account on Amazon. So the... Uh, uh, the price to pay for manipulating reviews and manipulating SEO. I know search, find, and buy is something that's really popular, hard to track. I will say that Amazon figures it out and they catch people. I have I've heard stories of, uh, of sellers who just had friends and family buy, but somebody buys from an account that has access to the seller account. And six months later, Amazon figures it out and bang, just like that, account suspended. Um, for minor uh, things, it's a lot easier to get going. Uh, rarely do I hear it's for no reason. Uh, what I will say, it's more common to have your listing suppressed or taken down. And mm -hmm. I'll give an example because probably anybody selling on Amazon has heard of the pesticide issue uh, where products that are not pesticide products at all, uh, but they're maybe antimicrobial or antibacterial will be flagged as pesticide because it's an algorithm and it's not as smart as a person. And the tactics to get that uh, back online, it varies, but in the pesticides case, uh, you know, you file uh, a grievance, you open a case to say, hey, we're not a pesticide. They may make you take the test, they may not. And we've taken that to the next level is that we'll actually reach out to the agricultural board uh, for mm -hmm. the particular client, whatever state they're in, and they will draft a letter saying that these products are not, um, you know, governed by um, the agriculture department, they're FDA products, because maybe they're skincare or whatever else. And we have that letter. And so we're able to kind of turn around these problems really quickly um, to get these listings back online. 
Uh, but generally, so that, accounts to that was in the skincare line that it happened. Yeah, that was in the skincare line. We actually used it for a water bottle person too. They hit the water bottles for pesticide. And it was the same thing. We had them go. Uh, we went to the agricultural board. We had them draft a letter saying these products are governed by FDA. Um, and that was it. So whenever it's algorithmic, so every three to six months, they'll, they'll flag the listing that they might pull it down. And usually within 24 hours, we resubmit the letter. We say, hey, you need to put this back up. We're losing money. And they usually get it up pretty quickly. Hmm. Um, now, let, let me ask you another question. What are some of the struggles that you've gone through over the years with your agency delivering results using Amazon? Yeah, I would say uh, the challenge comes down to product market fit. Um, I would say, you know, the, the biggest challenge is launching products. Um, you know, uh, launching products is an investment and it takes um, a certain amount of time. And so we've really shifted how we handle launches and kind of the different touches uh, we do to kind of help with that. Um, but a, what we learned, and we have a lot of strategic partnerships now, is when you launch a product uh, on Amazon or even your website, uh, there needs to be a lot of different other marketing activities happening at the same time in order to get traffic, in order to get sales, in order to validate your listing. And I'll, I'll throw out a couple examples so you guys can kind of get an idea. So, for example, if we were doing a launch on a brand new brand that has no exposure on Amazon, you know, the first thing we're going to do is, you know, get the product listed online, uh, make sure we're compliant, make sure we provide all the necessary information that we need, uh, optimize those listings for search, get them listed properly. Um, and then in conjunction, uh, we're likely working with uh, an SEO company. We like to use somebody called HBW. Um, they're a commerce company and their, their thing is that they will get your product listed in a bunch of different media outlets. Um, promoting it as a uh, top new gift or whatever else. We love gift guides around Christmas. So that might be something we'll do and they'll push it and they'll push traffic to our listing. Uh, we'll also work with different marketing um, elements. So we might be driving uh, a small portion of your Facebook, a small portion of your search. And I like to say that, you know, we don't want to take a big part of it. You know, if you have a uh, hundred dollars you're spending on search, $80 should go to your website, but you should take a small portion and drive it to Amazon because you will get rewarded and it, the ability to be found um, outweighs that, especially in the long run. Um, so we now would you say- can't, you're, you're talking Google search. I'm talking Google search. This isn't even including Amazon advertising. I'm talking about all the different components that should be in place that lead to a successful launch. And what we've learned over time is that the companies who don't do that, um, we don't necessarily have successful launches. And a lot of it's tied to 50% of uh, growth is gonna happen on Amazon. Uh, and the other 50% happens off of Amazon. And that's why I say it's becoming more brand centric. If you're not building an audience, um, you're not, it's not going to spill over to Amazon and it's going to be difficult to leverage um, your brand equity when there's no brand. So I would say now, that is probably you, one of the you, biggest challenges. Yeah, you, you brought up an interesting point of sending non-Amazon traffic, so Facebook, Google, search traffic. How do you track the success of that since you can't, obviously add a conversion tag to the confirmation page on Amazon. Beautiful. Yeah. So there's actually two ways. The first one, it's a new feature. It's not a year old now, but Amazon attribution. Uh, it's a unique tag we can come up with on the end of a URL. And it actually allows us to track all the behavior from uh, off Amazon uh, tactics. So if you're driving Facebook ads, I would give you a link. We would segment it by whatever the campaign is. And we would be able to track behavior to that, to a specific uh, listing. 
Um, and the other tactic is using UTMs, the universal tag managers that exist on Google that also exist on Amazon. Uh, you do that through your storefront. Both of these features are only available for brand registered brands. Um, and we could uh, monitor behavior uh, on the storefront, which is different from the product detail page um, using the UTM. So we have actually two ways um, to track sales and performance. If you're not brand registered and you don't have that ability, um, it would be difficult. You'd be sending traffic into a black box. So normally what we do is we will run um, Facebook or Google ads to your website for a landing page uh, for 30 to 60 days to get good baseline data to figure out what works and what doesn't. And then we will redirect that traffic to uh, your storefront and or, a, sorry, you wouldn't have a storefront if you're not brand registered, to your product detail page. Um, and that, and then we would just assume we're getting a certain portion of our sales from that based on the baseline data we gathered driving to a landing page and or website. Interesting. So another good reason to have brand registry in place. Yes. Yep. I left those out. Lots of different betas to be a part of. So has there been any struggles with all the stuff that you're doing? Has there been any struggles with your agencies that you could share with different agency owners on getting your agency known? How, how are you getting most of your new clients? Um, we advertise. That definitely helps. But I will say word of mouth uh, has been really great for us. I do a lot of um, uh, volunteering in terms of doing a lot of presentations in front of people with different user groups, whether it's through Meetup or uh, among the online genius Slack group. So there's uh, lots of opportunities um, there. I will say uh, a struggle from an agency perspective is finding good talent. So uh, we we are a boutique agency. So, you know, my agency, we're really focused on retail brands and um, we're high touch. We, you know, we're not trying to be everything to everyone. We have a, a very specific model of customer that works best with us. And in our model, you know, we're looking for premium uh, employees who, who have at least five years experience on the place and, you know, who, who are charismatic and understand strategy, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, we have found it very difficult to find good talent. And uh, what we've been doing is, uh, you know, working with recruiters um, as well as prospecting LinkedIn ourselves. Um, and that has, uh, that has been somewhat helpful. Um, but I will say that's, that's a pain point that we're still uh, struggling with and trying to work through. But, you know, we're still, uh, we're, I could have a lot worse problems. So I'm happy that recruiting is what I'm dealing with and, and maybe not sales or anything else. Now, you personally, are there any business books out there that you can attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? There's a bunch. I like uh, Mike McCullowitz that I always butcher his name, but he does Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork. I've read probably all of his books and it's been uh, game changing in terms of just how to look at processes, how to stay focused on your business uh, and how to grow. And the second business uh, book that I'm reading, I'm actually almost done with them now. I got about 50 pages left, but uh, my business coach is having us do it. Uh, it's Traction and it's uh, modeling the EOS, the Entrepreneur's Operating System. And we are uh, actively going through that. And it's um, definitely been a game changer in terms of branding, uh, focusing our growth goals and kind of understanding who we are, who our customer is and, and where we wanna be in the next year. Um, and also if I'm if, uh, unsolicited advice for any agency owner, I wish I did it like 
uh, two years earlier to get a business coach. Uh, I found another agency owner that is like twice the size uh, that we are. And I just reached out and said, hey, do you consult? Do you do, um, do, you do coaching? And that happens that he does. And he's part of the um, uh, uh, entrepreneurial organization, the EO. Um, and he actually uh, took us on. And it's been um, just having somebody who's been, he has stopped us from going down so many bad paths that would have been negative outcomes. So it's good just to have that perspective. And as an agency owner, sometimes it's hard to get advice. Um, you don't always know where to turn. So um, books are great and uh, Traction and Michael McCallowitz books are what I recommend. And uh, if you have the bandwidth, definitely a, a coach, highly recommend. Yeah, Traction's a great one. I'll, I'll give you another one um, just on, because of what you do. We had a guest on the show, I think in season two, who was the author of the Bezos Letters. Oh. which was was really interesting. His name's Steve Anderson, but he went through and took the different um, letters that were written to stockholders. I think there's 22 of them over the years uh, yeah. and put together into different points on how Amazon has been able to grow into what it did. So that might be an interesting one for you or, or listeners who are interested in Amazon. Now, back to your agency, what problems do you solve for your clients and how do you use that to stand out from your competition? Good question. Um, scaling, uh, scaling has been our specialty on Amazon. So we have some really focused marketing strategies, leveraging uh, the resources we have on Amazon to help brands actually scale. Um, so, you know, when we talk about our services on Amazon, in a nutshell, we're, we're turnkey. So we manage all aspects of your, your account outside of uh, shipping inventory into Amazon. But we do have SOPs that we share. So our clients, the benefit we have is not only the expertise on how to navigate the marketplace, and we work with a lot of retail brands. So we're, if you're struggling with getting sales up, if you're having problem you know, meeting your sales goals to your board of directors, uh, which is something we get all the time, if you're having problem with third-party sellers, if there is... Uh, counterfeit issues like these are all the typical problems uh, we're seeing from brands we work with and essentially we take on those problems we have our own methodology on how to address those while keeping um, the kpis in place that uh that the client has which 90 percent of the time is always sales because at the end of the day um, it's about making money um, and so that that's kind of what we specialize in so freeing up your time but also freeing up a lot of the um, the intricacies of navigating that account and helping you guys, helping our clients meet our, meet their sales goals uh, is kind of where we come in and, and the benefit of working with us. Now, you had mentioned turnkey. What, what are the services that that includes? Beautiful. Uh, from an operational perspective, that is um, inventory management, sales forecasting, and monitoring everything that's in terms of account health handle all of your customer service, uh, brand protection to make sure there's no counterfeit, helping you with the brand registry. The marketing, it's the post-purchase email sequence. We set that up, we do some split testing, request to review feature, uh, as well as your promotional strategy, your SEO and your listing optimization. And then on top of that, advertising. Advertising pay-per-click on the platform and then advertising off the platform uh, through DSP, which is programmatic advertising. That's our, our core competency and where we work. Um, and then outside of that, we have lots of strategic partnerships. If you're looking for a third-party logistics company, if you're looking for uh, an SEO company uh, or 
different angles that are required to help grow your brand and grow your brand on Amazon. At the end of the day, our rising tide lifts all boats. So we are fully aware that um, marketing a, a well, uh, an omni-channel approach is required um, to grow on, on Amazon as well as any other marketplace. So you had mentioned you're a boutique agency for e-commerce. Is that your perfect client? Is there a certain volume? They need to be doing a certain sales volume before they should contact you. What, what is your perfect client? Excellent. Thanks for asking that. Uh, a retail client. So if you are in retail e-commerce too, we do take e-commerce uh, businesses, but we find our strength with, e uh, with businesses that have retail distribution because they have a lot of trouble with um, usually third-party sellers. Um, and I'll, the ideal client is doing at least $2 million a year uh, on the platform. Um, and we you know, typically break it down monthly. They're doing... Uh, you know, at least $70,000 a month. Most of our clients are doing close to 100K. Um, we have a portion for the ad budget. Um, there's generally a, a team in place that we work with. Uh, we generally aren't working with the owners. Um, we're working with a, a marketing team, a logistics team. So uh, our ideal client is a little bigger. They're a little mature. And the types of problems they're solving is either market saturation, how to improve their market share, um, and you know how to launch new products, how to build on brand equity, and how to make sure they're maximizing their um, their return on investment uh, on Amazon. And if a listener out there said that's me, or maybe that's not me, but I, I still want to <laughs> learn more, how would they uh, contact you and and learn more about uh, Bellavix? Beautiful. So uh, you guys could always email me, will at bellavix.com. Uh, will Hare, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I share uh, things very often. I also have a couple of job postings. If you're listening to this and think you might be a good advertising manager or strategist, uh, it's all on the LinkedIn page. And then, of course, check out our website. You can submit uh, an inquiry through there, bellavix.com, as well as uh, Michelle is our, our chat person. Um, she tries to answer things as quick as she can. So um, those are different areas uh, that you can reach out uh, to me personally, as well as to somebody at my uh, at the agency. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Will. Excellent. Andy, thanks for having me. This was great. A pleasure. I hope you and your audience got a lot of value from this and looking forward to uh, doing it again one day soon. Great. Well, that is it for today. Remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you're looking for a more information regarding Will or his agency, Bellavix, you will find links to his email and his website in the show notes. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business using Google My Business or SEO, check out this month's featured course inside Make Each Click Count University. Not only can you purchase it for $49.99, but you'll also get a two-month free membership to Make Each Click Count University. So the two months promotions for limited times. So don't delay. In the meantime, remember to stay safe, keep healthy and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.